please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. I'm Doug King. I'm here with Jesse. And this week, we're going to cover a few things that are happening in the General Assembly. We've got um, less than two weeks left until the end of the, the General Assembly meeting for this year. This is the last of a two-year session. So at the end of this session, everything's done, and we start over again next year for another two-year session. Signed die this year is projected to be on the 24th, so we are, are rapidly approaching that date, and a lot of bills are getting their final. We've already hit crossover day, so if it hasn't moved from one house to the other at this point, it's dead. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that didn't make it. There was some pr- proposals to extend K-12 through education, the, the requirement to start to having to be six years old by the 1st of June. There was some things that were, were put into some different committees. And then there's some things that are actually being followed. now. So they were trying to pass a law that said that you, you couldn't start your child until? They were six, and the fir- they had to be six years old by the 1st of June to, to enter first grade. Okay, so there is no law right now standing. Well, there's a law that says that for public schools that you have to be uh, six years old, I believe, on the 1st of September. But they wanted to move it back to the 1st of June. But that's in the public school chapter, and it only applies to public schools. And the reason that they do that is because public schools are provided free of charge. So what's to prevent someone from trying to enroll their their three-year-old and saying, well, it's They could use it as babysitting. Exactly. So they they had to create some kind of criteria to keep you from putting in children who were drastically underperforming and then hurting the entire system. You know what I'm glad to see dying? What? House Bill 331, Dexter Sharper's bill. Oh, the mandatory training bill. You should have to have training, but I don't, Bill. Well, I mean, I think his heart was in the right place. Even if his mind wasn't? I, I thought, having spoken to him, I mean, he, he definitely wants to do some good, but he is definitely the mindset that the best way to do good is to get the government to do it for you, which is just contrary to my personal belief and opinion. I think um, doing some outreach and, and explaining to people that it's for their best interest that they decide to take it upon themselves to get training is better good than trying to force somebody to do what you want them to do. And this kind of goes back to a discussion I had earlier in the week about Nancy Reagan's tragic passing. And she she had lived a, a long and good life, and, and I appreciate all that she's done. But I got into an argument with she somebody. She was my favorite first lady. She was very classy. And I got into an argument with someone about just say no. And they were beating on this bandwagon that just say no is, is lockstep with the war on drugs, which is wasting all of our money and putting people into prison for things which aren't really criminal. And, no. and I, I looked at them and I was just like, you know. Just say no was a program that to educate kids and remind them that they have a choice and that they don't have to succumb to peer pressure if they don't want to. And it gave them it gave them a, a a different peer to cite to, right? I mean, it was somebody that they could look up to and say, you know, the president and and the president's wife 
think that this isn't necessary. You know, it's not something that I should feel pressured to do. And so I think that it was a good thing overall. But Just Say No was a, a program to get to the hearts and minds of people, to get them to believe in something, not to force them to do something, not to force them not to do something, had no criminal penalties. It was just simply trying to persuade people towards a better choice and better line of reasoning. And I think Just Say No was replaced by Dare, right? I don't know. I want to say that it was, but it was a step in the right direction to educating our kids about drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very important that we educate our kids about everything, about drugs and alcohol, firearms, all of these regulated things. Your kids need to know about them. You can't put your head in the sand and just pretend that drugs don't exist. And well, you sure don't want the drug dealer being the one to educate your kid about methamphetamine or Rufalin or <laughs> any yeah. of those. If you let the drug dealer be the one that's educating your kid, there's then a problem. Then you end up living the hangover part one, right? Wow. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You gotta, if you're, if you're going to have a drug dealer, at least make sure he knows which drugs he's selling you. Um, so, you know, we're looking at some of these bills that are coming through the legislature, and some things have died, and we're grateful for some of those. Some other things are, I mean, what happened to that, that bill that was going to shorten the amount of time to get reporting back and make a, a pro, a, um, provide a way to remove the stigma if you've ever had a mental illness? And, I mean, that, that was a bill that I thought had a lot of promise and things that we could actually get behind and be supportive of. And, and I, I can't think of the number. I think it was like 1026 or something I odd. I think ball. that that's the one they were talking about on the radio this morning, that they're still working on it. And I think that that's a, that's a great bill. It had a lot of interesting provisions. Some things I don't necessarily agree with, like extending the definition of a peace officer to all retired peace officers. Uh, I, I don't think that peace officers should have any greater rights than anybody else in, in the general public. In fact, um, I go to court often in Bartow, and the deputies in Bartow have learned that I'm an attorney, and so they'll often, when I'm walking up to the metal detector, just go, oh, come on in, come on in. And each time I take off my belt and take all the stuff out of my pocket and put it on the conveyor belt and go through just like everybody else because I don't think that I should have any greater freedom or privilege than anybody else going into that courthouse. If they're inconvenienced, I should be inconvenienced. And if, if I'm trustworthy, then they should be trustworthy. Well, you know, some counties have... Their own bar association, and you pay some dues in that county, Cobb. and you get a card that allows you to completely skip, skip screening. Completely mm-hmm. skip screening. Now, I've seen some crazy attorneys. Some, yeah, I I don't know very many, but the ones I know, probably half of them, I would not trust with firearm democratic fireballs that can't even remember when they're. Dates are, and I'm not 100% sure that those are the people that we want skipping screening. I mean, those are the ones I worry about. Like the Moms Demand Action ladies. Oh, I know you've been ready oh for this Oh my gosh, one. okay. So I saw this woman on the news. I thought you might need a whole segment for this. She, she's crazy, okay? She was on the news and she was talking about the campus carry bill and she was very fired up, almost like manic. And I finally figured out why they're scared. Because if the people that are carrying guns are anything like them, they don't want them carrying guns. They know how crazy they are. 
they think we're, we're as crazy as they are. So you're saying they're projecting? Yes. They're projecting their own fears about their own mental illnesses. That woman is very obviously manic. And I think if she was to take the MMPI-2, that's the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, that it would come up where she's on the maybe bipolar spectrum somewhere or even um, as far as like borderline personality. I mean, I, I see something really scary. She's got a really scary look in her eyes too. That woman's mentally ill. Well, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see it and I don't know her and I'm not going to go out on any limbs there and say she is or isn't I watched anything. that video several times and man, I'm, I'm telling you that if the gunners were as violent as the anti-gunners want to paint us to be, there would be no anti-gunners. We would shoot them all and kill them. Well, let me ask you this. So she seemed a little bit out there. What was she so concerned about? What was her point that she was trying to make while she was flipping out? Some stupid point about tailgate parties not being safe anymore because of the guns. Now, didn't you go to one of their meetings? Yes, last year. Okay, were they acting that way then? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were um, irrationally f- afraid. Now I'm going to say, and I want to say this to my GCO members, okay? It is not cool to go to these people's meetings, stand outside their door, to open carrying your gun, and strike fear in the hearts of these people. This is not the way we're going to educate them. It's the way you you make them even more fearful. And when they're scared of you, they don't want to listen to you. They don't want to hear anything you've got to say. You've got to come at them a different way. Okay. So what would Make you advocate? Make them fearful. Huh? What would you advocate for? I think that an open dialogue would be the best start. Is that possible with someone who is, is an ideologue? With her, maybe not. But some of the others are not like that. Some women that are involved in these things just jump on this bandwagon to have some friends. And they don't really know why they're there. I don't even think she knows why she's there. As irrational as she is. I bet she couldn't give you a real reason other than the fact that she's afraid. Is is this similar to Mothers Against Drunk Driving then? Possibly, yeah. A little bit. I've seen some really horrible things come out of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I've, I've seen some pretty horrible things come out of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. The laws that get passed that are uber strict because of it. Well, not just the laws, but the prosecutions. I mean, I, I've been... And the closed-door meetings where it's been discussed, if we don't prosecute this case, Mothers Against Drunk Driving are going to pick it in front of our office. Even though you know it's a bad case, just try it and call it a day because the jury will do what's right. So, I mean, that kind of lobbying pressure affects not just legislatures, but I've seen it affect district attorney's offices. So why don't they do what they make everybody else do, make them go get a permit to pick it? Well, you don't have to have a permit to pick it you got a first amendment right if as long you as pick it in the wrong place you can get arrested yeah there are time place and manner restrictions okay. but in front of a government building that's the public square and it has a lot more freedom let them pick it nobody's listening to them anyway oh, but people they're holding do. Psalms. people do listen to them and especially for district attorneys in georgia who are elected officials i mean that's something you know when i was in alaska it wasn't such a big deal because you got to be a district attorney because you were hired into that position by the attorney general but here it's elected and if you annoy the right sect of the uh you know voting public 
they might come out against you in droves. And if you're only holding on to your seat by the you know your, the barest of toenails, it's going to be a hard fight if you get someone running against you and then they get the endorsement of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Folks, we're at a commercial break, so we will be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. I'm Doug King. I'm here with Jesse this week, and we are discussing um, some of the bills that are, are trickling through the last two weeks of the legislature. When, when we took the break, I was talk, comparing um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving with, what is the name of the group, Jess? Moms demand action for gun safety in America, or something like that. It's always moms. Well, you know, you never see dads doing this sort of stuff. Why is that? Because dads are like, man, those women just need to sit down and shut up. <laughs> and in this case, I kind of agree. Those women really need to sit down and shut Honey, up. Honey, why don't you go get involved in something political, please? For love of goodness' sake, please. <laughs> I can see that happening. So, so where's your wife? She's another political rally. Yay. Cool, we can golf. Yeah, there you go. So you've got all of these moms groups that are, are causing various amounts of havoc. And I, you know, I, I brought up Mothers Against Drunk Driving because I've seen how a polarized ideological lobbying group can have drastically negative effects on the society at large. But that now, is, at that's, the same that's, time, that's, a polarized lobbying group can have positive effects as well. And GCO is an example of that. Just well, want to put was, that out there. I was going to say that, that that's the same charge that's levied at GCO, that it's a polarized lobbying group trying to have negative effects by passing rapidly one-sided gun laws that don't take into consideration public safety. And see, this is the problem where everybody's trying to trample on everybody else's liberty. I just want to point out that the right wing and the left wing are both on the same bird. Yeah, we've heard that one before, that's for sure. You know, the we, we I, I think that this whole right wing, left wing debate is really getting strange as we look at what's going on in you the know, Republican Party. It is getting really strange. We've got people who claim to be Republican that are vastly different from each other in incredible leaps and bounds. I don't think that they're really Republicans. So I think that that's, you know, we, we talk about a big tent party, right? You know, the Republicans well, are a big tent party. We've had a problem with, you know, our, our Congress. We have a, a mostly Republican Senate right now, right? Yep. And, well, they claim to be re- Republican, but really they're big Democrats in drag. So it's, I call it Republican light. Democrat light. They're Democrat light. They're they're not really Republicans. They're not really a hard color opposition party. They are just the Democrats on the slow train instead of the fast train to where they're going. Right? Either way, they are not doing what they should do. Then we have these Republicans that are running for office and I hear things come out of their mouths that sound vastly Democrat. Like, um I'm all for amnesty. You should not be. If you are a Republican, that's not a very Republican stance. Well, you see, this is what I'm trying to get at about Big Tent Party. And the Republicans have been trying to be a Big Tent Party to draw in more people to have a coalition government. Big Tent, you mean like a circus, right? Well, in a way, yeah. And The idea is to draw in more people so that you have a coalition so that you can consistently win elections and dictate policy. 
And by doing that, you create, instead of having an ideological base, you end up with a party that is fractured with several different ideologies that are able to come together on some certain key points in order to pass an agenda. Now, we also have this in the Democrat Party, but not to the same extent. Well, we do have I mean, it to the same we, extent. They just, well, they there's just not as many of them, is what I'm saying. There are, but they don't get the, they don't get the screen time, is what you don't see. The Green Party people, the, the, the rabid environmentalists, they don't get the same screen time that the Donald Trumps and the John Kasich's doing the Republican Party because the Democrat Party has superdelegates and it's so focused to bring just one candidate to the forefront early on before all these little parties and little diverse factions can get moving and get motivated and get something done. They're pushed aside and told, well, what are you going to do? Go vote for Republican? You've got to vote for Hillary. Have You've got to you vote for... seen the most recent clips of the uh, Dem- Democratic debate, the last Democratic debate? I've heard some of them, yeah. Bernie asked Hillary if she's indicted, is she going to drop out of the race? I think that was. <laughs> I don't think that was Bernie. I think that was a moderator, which is even scarier because I could see Bernie throwing that at her as an opponent. But for a moderator to ask that question, that means that it's actually a, a valid topic now, as far as the media is concerned, and. I think that it's highly likely that Hillary is going to see some kind of indictment. Now, it may be such that she doesn't, that it's some underling that gets pinned the blame on, and that way they can wash their hands and, and all of that. But um, Justice and the FBI are at odds on this one, and I think that the FBI is about to go rogue and just release their information into public opinion and let people make their own call, which is a kind of a scary prospect. I mean, that's not the way... Criminal justice is supposed to happen, but in a highly politicized world, and and the FBI is the most politicized law enforcement branch in the world, I'd be willing to argue, and argue that vehemently. It was the moderator, it was George Ramos, and the exact question was, would you drop out of the race if you were indicted? And her answer was, oh my gosh, that's so preposterous, I'm not even going to answer that question. Yeah, pretty much. That That's... Oh, golly not gee whiz, happen. that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And people pick on Sarah Palin for the way she talks. But here's, here's you know, New York Hillary. Oh, golly gee whiz, gosh, She's you not betcha. New York Hillary. She's only lived in New York for a few years. She's actually Arkansas Hillary. She, she's she's not Arkansas anymore. Those people aren't going to claim her. What are you talking about? She has a, a Fifth Avenue apartment. She's a senator from New York State. She worked in the Obama White House. She can't even find Arkansas. That aside, put all that aside. She's a disgusting human being. She's a disgusting human being that's responsible for Benghazi. Mm-hmm. She's responsible for. Well, I wouldn't say she's responsible, but she's culpable. I'll give you that. I think she's personally responsible. She didn't go and arm those people. No, but she sent people into she left them. a bad area with absolutely no support, and she's and responsible for that. So then she's also responsible for this whole email debate. Yeah. And she says that she didn't do anything wrong, but there's like emails that were sent that weren't only like eyes only. They were super classified and they should have never been on that server. Yeah. So, you know, we're worried about our safety in this country. Well, we have somebody like her. This was during her time as Secretary of State. Sending super classified emails on a non-secure server. I applaud Miss Clinton for just being so stupid. <laughs> well, here's the thing, okay? 
the the fact that emails went through a private server i don't I, I know that there's arguments that it's less secure than the government servers the the odds that iran or north korea are looking for hillary clinton's private server on the web to find her less guarded in theory than the government when they're able to crack through the government databases china can do it we've heard china break in through government databases just in the last year I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think that her server is any less secure. It is a, it is a nail to hang a hat on that she did something wrong. Now, here's the thing. Hillary has done nothing right her entire career, all the way back to the Watergate. She's done oh, nothing she right. She was fired from the Watergate in, investigation for not being ethical. She's done nothing right since 1978, right? But in spite of that, she's never been able, they've never been able to show that she did anything wrong. She's done nothing right since 1978. And that's the reason that Bill and Monica had fun with a cigar one afternoon. Well, the, she's done nothing wrong. There's been nothing that they could say. You've done something illegal because she's very good at doing nothing right. Now they finally found something, and now they're going to bring the full force down to bear on that because they can't prove everything else. And this is a typical prosecution tactic, right? You've got somebody who has been doing not right all their life, but you've never been able to catch them. When you catch them in tax evasion, you arrest Al Capone on that and throw him in federal prison because you can't prove the murders. You can't prove the racketeering. You can't prove the bootlegging. You can approve tax evasion, so you bust them on that. And that's what they're doing to Hillary. They can't prove that she killed Vince Foster. They can't prove the Whitewater scandal. They can't prove all of these things that she's done wrong all her life. But they can prove she had a freaking email server, so they're going to prove that because they finally can prove something. That's what this is about. They're trying to find some way to pin her down on her little bicycle while she's riding with a little dog in the basket. Yeah. Well, that's that's what it comes down to. And she has enough enemies in Washington, in the FBI, of all these people that she's had to deal with over the years, that they're willing to do whatever it takes to throw her under the bus. Now, that is it fair that she gets thrown under the bus on an email server? I don't think so. Is it fair that she gets thrown under the bus? Absolutely. And everybody knows it, and that's why she's in the position that she's in. If she was beloved by the American people, this would be a this this would be the checkers speech. Do you know Do you know Richard Nixon's checkers the dog speech? No. Okay. Why don't you tell us this? Well, we okay. got we got thirty seconds. All right. So well, we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about checkers the dog and how Richard Nixon wooed the entire American public right after this break. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Okay, folks, so we were going to talk about Checkers the Dog. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. Um, I'm Doug King. I'm here this week with Jesse. And so here's the deal. Richard Nixon was charged with campaign finance problems back in 1950. Six. I want to say it's 56. Okay. And he was, he was a congressman. He had done well. He had allied himself with the most powerful congressman at the time or senator at the time, Joe McCarthy, whose name I'm sure you remember. So we've got Nixon up and coming, 
He's eyeing the vice presidency with um, um, Dwight D. Eisenhower. He's about to become a national figure, and they and and he is running a brilliant campaign. He he was um, being attacked by a Democratic opponent, a woman who was running for his seat, and he told at the time people were worried about the Reds, which was you know slang for being communist. He said that the woman was pink all the way down to her underwear. I mean, this is stuff that would be Donald Trump worthy, right? Well, or worse. I mean. Pink all the way down to her underwear is a little worse than saying someone is schlonged. I, I don't know. I, I think they're pretty synonymous. But so he's running a, a campaign. He's doing very well. Um, did you know that he was? I, I, I can't think of the, the not Amish, but the next step from Amish, the ones who have cars. Those are the Mennonites. Mennonites. He he came from a Mennonite family. Richard Nixon. So he's coming up on this. Tricky this, Dick was a Mennonite. Mm-hmm. Never had a drink in his life, supposedly. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't drink either. Did you know that? Or smoke. Or smoke. Interesting. So Nixon is coming up on this big election. He's going to make a bid for the vice presidency with with, um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and he suddenly gets this allegation that he has embezzled campaign funds and used them for personal gain. And so... It looks like his career is over. It looks like he's done for. It looks like there's nothing to be said. And he goes on national TV and apologizes. He says, look, I didn't take any money from the campaign to pay for anything personal. Um, I used the money for doing this and this. And he laid out how he spent the money. He says, but I must apologize to the American public. There was one time that I dipped into the campaign funds and took some money. Now, I have paid it back to the campaign. I, I made it right. But it was a time I was going by doing some campaigning. And I saw this little dog. And my daughter fell in love with the little dog. And we used campaign funds to buy Checkers the dog. And I paid the money back, but if you as American people think that I should not be able to run again because of Checkers the Dog, I will step aside. Checkers the Dog. Checkers the Dog. And the speech melted the American public. They forgave him entirely for the for the scandal, and he went on to be vice president and then get to lose to JFK because he so, didn't wear makeup. So basically you said that he said... I took campaign funds, but uh, hey, I paid them back. But it's all good because I used the money to buy a dog from a puppy mill. Well, for his daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's what it came down to. But the checkers the dog speech is a brilliant point in American politics because it shows that the American people are willing to forgive even even something drastic if you are willing to accept responsibility for it Come clean and make amends. The American people will always forgive someone who accepts responsibility, comes clean, and makes amends. Which president was it that went to Berlin and told everybody that he was a Berliner? The one who beat Richard Nixon. That's... JFK. Okay. That's the one that said that he was Jelly Donut because Berliner... Yeah, a slight inflection difference. And <laughs> there, there, there's... There's quite a bit of debate now about that. There's some revisionist history. People are trying to say that he didn't really say it that way, and some people say he really did. At the end of the, there was there's some. Some people say that there was laughter when he said it at the speech. Other people said that there was just applause because the the Berliners forgave him for the slight inflection problem because he wasn't from there and they understood what he meant from context. But regardless. 
Yeah, if you if you are if you're in American politics and you screw up and you come clean and you make amends, the American people will forgive you. Hillary won't. Unless you snort or giggle weird. Well, I don't think that that Howard Dean has ever made amends for that. <laughs> Let's be honest; he's never fixed what, what went wrong with he, America. He laughed like that. a donkey. The it one was, guy laughed it, like it a donkey. It wasn't really a laugh. It was more of a like a startled. Yeah. It was like <laughs> I don't know. He was really really having fun with that one. And America has not forgotten. I mean, they still reference it. They made that that show you like to watch. They made a whole character that kind of was Howard Dean esque. Oh, you're talking about Scandal? Yeah, yeah. Scandal's a great show. Yeah, maybe. If you you like to torment your mother-in-law with it. (laughs) Anyway, um, I was looking at the bills, and there there was a lot of bills in this legislation. Session. I'm, I'm just an amendment to be, an amendment to be, and I'm hoping that they'll ratify me. Yeah, a lot of bills. The legislature doesn't ever rest once they hit their 40-day session. They get down there and work real hard to come up with new laws that will impact all of our lives. So we have a Senate bill that's number 303. It's the Brady Law regulations require a gun law be furnished to a buyer in all retail firearm sales made by firearm dealer. Require what? A gun lock. Oh. They so, do that anyway. Every Some states requirements. So every, if you buy a used one, they don't. That's not retail. It says retail. It does say retail. So And some states require that. So every manufacturer already sends it with a bicycle lock because it's, they want to be compliant in all the states that they can possibly be sold in. It's awaiting a hearing in the, public, the Senate Public Safety Committee. Um, the campus carry bill came out of the... Hearing you, you want to talk about campus carry? I will because I am not unbiased in this because I have pending a lawsuit that's pending. Well, a criminal case is pending that I am working on. I will not discuss it. Then I will not discuss it. But I was saying it's passing. It's passed through the committee onto the floor. Now that's where it stands. Okay. We have um, state bill, Senate bill. 267. Firearms provide for reduced weapons carry license persons 65 years of age or older. I like that. I can um, get behind that. Let's let's make it free. And then when instead of 65, let's move it to 55. And then 55, let's move it to 25. And then let's just says, make it free. This bill would provide for a person 65 or older to obtain a firearms license for 15 instead of the normal 35. Well, Utah, I'm getting mine renewed. Utah charges 15 Why are we 20 bucks more? Are we $20 less efficient than Utah? Georgia Carey is neutral on this subject because yeah. they believe that everybody should have to pay the same for theirs. If we're going to have to pay, then everybody has to pay the same thing. I, I, I disagree because I think every step in, in reducing fees is good. We can just move the, the, the benchmark back. Here's I, the BS divorce bill. Oh, yeah. If you're divorced, you can't have a gun. No, this one says if you are in a pending divorce, you cannot buy a firearm. And it has been sponsored by Michael Doc Rett. Of course, he's a Democrat. Yeah. Well, there. when I was at ATF, there was a big 
problem because they had just ins- instituted the standing restraining order on all parties in a divorce. It was a new Georgia thing. They're like, you can't harass each other. You can't you know, cut off each other's utilities. And if you do any of these things, you're in violation of a court order automatically and you can be hit with, you know, fines and fees and all that stuff. Well, the federal government looked at that and said, you're under a domestic violence restraining order. There are two of them, State Bill 257 and State Bill 250. Both of them, like, they're trying to do different ways to get it passed. So the, the Fed said, you're under a domestic violence restraining order. You can't have a gun. That means if you're a, a federal officer, you can't have your duty weapon. You have to be put on administrative leave. That's and, horrible. Yeah, every single ATF agent who was undergoing a divorce was suddenly thrown under administrative leave because they were getting divorced. Not because they had done anything wrong, but just because there was a standing domestic violence restraining order put in place. That's ridiculous. It, it took them a few months to get an attorney general order to say that Georgia's standing order was not a domestic violence restraining order under federal law so that people could go back to work but it was i mean there's there's all these laws that the state does that impact the federal laws and the federals do things that impact states in funny ways and then nra comes in and lobbies for things that don't have anything to do with georgia but would be really great in other states but they need us to pass it so that they can get to where they're going this is the reason that the states were supposed to govern themselves yeah. So there wasn't so much federal intrusion and and issues with preemption and, and all that crap. It and wasn't the, supposed to happen. And issues like bootstrapping. What I was getting at with the NRA, you know, back when we first got started with Georgia Carey, the NRA was trying to pass a bill that had no effect in Georgia. And I was sitting here going, well, why on earth would we need a bill that doesn't do anything in Georgia to pass Georgia, especially when this legislature says we only do one bill a year? Well, the reason was is because they wanted to go to California and say, 49 states have passed this bill. Why won't you? And if Georgia doesn't pass it, then they don't have, they're not able to do that. So they needed Georgia to do it to be able to bootstrap, to put pressure on other states to pass the same legislation. But it didn't make any sense in Georgia. We should be doing things that help Georgia, not help California. Right. If the people in California don't like what's going on in California, they'll vote the idiots out that are making laws in California and vote, vote somebody with sense in, or they'll move away. Well, move away is what's happening. You have two options. Either vote them out or move away. And that brings us around to the religious liberty bills where the um, movie-making companies are saying that they're going to flee Georgia. Okay. So these bills, from what I've read, do not say it's okay for such and such institution to discriminate. It, it is about private churches making decisions about who they will and will not marry or people that own businesses deciding who they will and will not get serve, give service to and not being sued over that. Right. Now, I should, as a U.S. citizen, be allowed the right to refuse service to anyone for any reason without that person being able to come back on me as a lawsuit. Unfortunately, that is just not the truth. Except for people that are under the Americans with Disability Act. And and last I checked, homosexuality was not considered a disability. Why does the ADA get that kind of special privilege with you? Because it's a federal law regarding people with disabilities. So you'd be okay with it if they passed a ADA for or an American Homosexual Act, an AHA? That would give the same rights, then it would be okay? No. Let's. Okay, well, we're coming up on a commercial break. We'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Okay, so when we took the break, Jesse was saying that she she's okay with forcing private individuals and private businesses to do business with people they don't want to if they fall under the American with now, Disabilities. That's not true. I can go in being disabled in a, in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and I can roll into any hotel and say I need a room, and they can deny me service. But there are certain things they cannot deny me service over. So you, as a normal person, go to check into a room, and they say... I want it, I want it on record that she just said I'm a normal person. Uh, these are all hypotheticals, okay? <laughs> but say so you're a normal person, and you walk into a hotel, and you want to check into a room. And you say, I have my dog. And they say, well, we don't allow pets here. And I say, it's a service animal because you can't ask me any questions. Woo, I went. Right? That's underhanded. <laughs> but a person that has like a seeing eye dog needs that dog to survive in that room. They should be allowed to have that dog. That dog is very well trained. It's the same thing as us having our guns. We are very well trained. <laughs> we have yeah. been through background checks. We are proven to not be criminals, not felons, not mentally ill, yet they're afraid of us because they want to ban all dogs, not even considering the dogs that are trained and and vetted. Are you saying that these dogs that have, you know, more capability and more abilities are being treated like underdogs? Yes, I am. Now, let's compare this to homosexuality okay there's nobody saying you can't check into this hotel room because you're gay right there's nobody saying you can't eat at mcdonald's because you're gay but there is somebody saying i'm a christian and i don't i don't feel like i should have to make your wedding cake if it violates my religious beliefs and i think that person should be able to say yeah, you know, I, I just don't want to. But such and such bakery down the street will take you. Let me send you down there. Well, this brings up a bigger question, okay? And what we're going to come to is a, a very famous case called the Heart of Atlanta Hotel. All right? Okay. Back in the day, back, you know, in, in the glorious 40s and 50s when the South was, was oh so open and friendly... <laughs> The problem with black people traveling a great distance was they would get there and no one would give them a hotel room, period. You could not find a hotel room. But it was hotels that were locally owned, individually owned. They were completely entities of one city, had no interstate nexus whatsoever. But the U.S. Supreme Court said, if you can't get a hotel room, you can't travel. Travel is a fundamental right, so we're going to say that you have to take anybody who comes to your hotel, if you have a room, and give them a room. We're going to make it a federal decision. Now, if homosexuals are allowed to be discriminated against, even if it starts off with cakes, who's to say it won't be hotels? And if it's hotels, then they can't travel at all. And how do you do that? I mean, if you're a Christian bakery owner... And you open up the bakery and hotel, and you have a gay couple come in and say, we want a room with one bed for us for the night. Are you going to be able to say, yeah, that, I'm, I'm cool with that? Or are you going to say, no, that bothers my sense of religion. It's, that's even worse than you eating my cake. Now you're going to be sleeping together in my one bed. And I'm not going to allow that because it goes against my religion. And see, here's where people are taking things too far. And the the reason that we're feeling like we have to do this is because 
after the right to get married was granted to the homosexuals, they started using that right to abuse other people. Uh, and I've covered and this in detail. force them into doing what they want them to do. And so someone has to say, you know, you can't do that either. That's not cool either. You've got your rights. You've got your equal rights. And, and personally, I don't have a problem with them having their equal rights, okay? I didn't but have a problem with them adopting a, each other. I do have a, a problem with them trying to force me to participate. Force me to like it. But, Just because... Black people have equal rights with white people doesn't mean I have to listen to rap music. But how how is refusing to sell a cake different from refusing to rent a single bed hotel room? Because they can go right down the street and get another cake from well, another bakery. They, they could can, go. They, they could can go, go down to Publix. They can go to Walmart. They can go to a lot of different bakeries. In fact. Atlanta has a huge gay population. I'm sure there are plenty of gay bakeries here. And and I, I agree. And in Atlanta, that's true. But you get to Hey Hira and you want to stay in the hotel and there's only one. What do you do when that hotel is run by, you know, a, a rabid evangelical who does not want to rent a room? What do you do when it's to that point? Sleep in your car. And see, that's <laughs> that's not fair. And that's the problem. And we need to balance all of the there are competing liberty interests. But we need to balance these liberty interests against each other. And I agree absolutely that when you take your freedom and use it as a sword to hurt somebody, that that's evil. I will call that evil yeah. every day of the week. But it's just as evil for the pastor to use his freedom to hurt somebody who's trying to protect their assets for inheritance for their partner right. as it is for the the gay couple to hurt that pastor who's simply trying to abide by his religious beliefs. So the, the, the gay couples can get married by justice of the peace. Uh, most as judges... As, as long as you're not in Tennessee or Kentucky. Most judges, um, some attorneys can marry them. There's a lot of different places sea they can go to get married. Sea, <laughs> sea captains. are Captain of the starship, whatever, okay? They do not have to get married at XYZ Baptist Church that is very against homosexuality, okay? Mm-hmm. They only do that to target the pastor of that church. Agreed. And the congregants of that church. And that's why the pastors have all decided to rewrite their bylaws to protect their churches because they feel like they're under attack. They are. There are activists who are going to use freedom as a sword. And there are activists who are trying to use freedom as a sword to keep our guns away from us and to keep us they from being able to freedom and ourselves. fear. Absolutely. I should feel free to walk down the street safely without worrying about somebody shooting me. Let me tell you how you do that, Mom's Demand Action. You carry a gun. We were talking in the car this morning about the the reporter who got shot and why why would her boyfriend suddenly be so anti-gun and how do you bring him back? And I said you can't because at the point that someone gets shot, they have to admit that they should have been carrying a gun if they're going to be on the pro-gun debate. And they don't ever want to admit that they should have defended themselves, so therefore there will always be on the anti-gun side. People inherently do not like to admit that they screwed up or made a mistake. Or that they had a shortcoming somewhere. Do you know the the people who get shot who are most likely to be pro-gunners at the end are the people who are in the most gun-restrictive states? 
because they're able to blame the government for them not being allowed to carry that. They would have carried but for the government interaction. You'd think but that in, would have affected Gabby Giffords like that, but it well, didn't. she was in Arizona, right? Which is I don't a, remember. I think she was in Arizona, and I think that that's a fairly pro-gun. I, I think that bullet did some brain damage. I think that's a very pro-gun state, and she could have carried if she wanted to. She chose not to, and so now she's blaming the guns. If you're in California, you would have said, I would have had a gun but for the California laws, and you blame the laws. So we have... GeorgiaCarry.org to thank for the fact that we can carry into public buildings such as the library. We can carry into local restaurants and not worry about violating the public gathering laws and all the Jim Crow laws that were in Georgia to begin with. So how do you help? Well, you join GeorgiaCarry.org. It's $20 a year or $500 for a lifetime. You get legislative updates via email and they tell you when you need to call in and and talk to the legislature to to get things passed and you can make a difference if you're listening to us online you don't have to waste your bandwidth we are live um, well not live but broadcast from downtown atlanta on 1160 a.m the talk of the town we would love to be on your local radio station. If you'll call and talk to your local radio station manager and put us in touch, just drop us a email to radio at georgiacarry.org, and we would be glad to talk about syndication with your local radio station. And these are great ways for you to be involved, to meet people who are like-minded, to know what's happening in your legislature. You can go to local chapter meetings. You can meet people who have similar interests. You can get connected. You know, we, we are so involved in social media now that we don't actually get into the, the face-to-face contact, and we need to. We need to make friends and need to be there so that we can have an interaction with each other and build these relationships. Folks, um, it's it's at the end of our show, and I want to encourage you to get out there this weekend, do something important, get out there with your family, with your kids, get active, get involved. Until then, um, tune in to us next week. We will be back, same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.